Hello everyone and welcome to Maddie Sound Explorers. Each episode we explore the world through sound and bring you a new piece of music made from the noises we discover and a little help from our brilliant guests. Listen out for interesting sounds as we go along. Which sounds would you put in a song? This episode we're talking about something that sings its own song, unless it's humming. It's one of the closest living relatives to the fearsome Tyrannosaurus Rex, but they can be lighter than a penny. Can you guess what we're talking about? Did you get it? This episode, we're talking about birds, relatives to the dinosaurs. Can you believe the lightest bird, the bee hummingbird, weighs less than a penny? And the heaviest bird, the ostrich, weighs more than a giant panda? We've had a great question about birds from a sound explorer. What are birds saying? They sing so beautifully, but what are they saying? That is a great question. Thanks, Owen. As ever, we have an expert on hand to help us answer the question. In fact, we're going into the field to meet them at their favourite birdwatching spot. I wonder where it's going to be. Come on, let's go. I'm in the middle of a city because cities can be some of the best places to see and hear birds. Oh, here's our expert. My name is David Lindo. I'm also known as the Urban Birder. The Urban Birder. So you watch and listen to birds in cities. Cities are really interesting places um, in terms of seeing and hearing birds. Um, They uh, seem to have a similar kind of uh, blueprint anywhere you go. There's normally a river that runs through the middle of them. There's normally woods and parks and lakes or reservoirs, they attract a large number, normally a larger number of of birds uh, in terms of individuals and species than you would get in the countryside. So you can see birds practically anywhere. I mean, even if you live in the very centre of a city, you can look up and you will see something at some point. I can guarantee that. Um, and, And even areas where it is predominantly concrete, David, if I just looked out of my window, what kind of birds would I be likely to see? I suppose across most cities you'd be seeing things like blackbirds, um, you'd be seeing robins, blue tits, grey tits, and you may possibly see um, dunnocks, which inhabit the ground. Uh, Song thrush is a possibility too, wood pigeon. In some places you'd be able to see collared doves as well. In many places, feral pigeons. In many places, you'll get crows. Uh, in some of the more rural towns and on the edges of some cities, you'll be seeing uh, jackdaws, for example. Currently, in the, in the summer now, in some places, you'll be watching swifts um, and swallows and house martins. So all those birds are here for the summer. Um, and if you listen very carefully, and if you know what you're listening for as well, you might hear particularly early on in the spring, uh, early summer, you will hear things like black caps and chiffchaffs singing. So there's a whole array of species that can be observed, you know, once you actually sit and look. You know, peregrine is another example. Kestrels are, are urban 
raptors that you can see um, if you know if you know what you're looking for. So there's there's a wealth of things to see. Wow. So there are all these different birds, songbirds, birds of prey and birds that travel south for the winter and stop in the UK on the way right on our doorstep. If we travel a bit further into the city, we can find even more going on. You need to observe the city you're living in as if it was part of the countryside. So you have to try and see your environment as if you were a bird. Imagine that when you're walking down the streets, um, the, the avenue of trees that you're seeing is a scattered woodland. Um, you go to a park, it's a scattered woodland. You walk in the middle of the city, the tall buildings are cliffs. So you get a whole different array of um, habitats that you could actually imagine the birds substituting their natural habitat for. So you just have to try and imagine that. Uh, that takes time, but once you start getting your head around that and opening your your mind to the idea that wildlife is all around us, then you'll start seeing it. We can see and hear birds, but what are they saying to each other? When a bird sings, um, it's doing two things. It's basically saying, um, the male's saying, this is my territory, so get the hell out. Um, if you are a female. And it's also saying to females, I am amazing, you need to come mate with me. And the female actually makes the final choice because um, she can tell a lot from the, the, the type of song that he's singing. She can tell if he's a mature male, if he's got good genes, purely by the song. In other words, she can tell whether he's a healthy male and will be a good partner. Some birds don't sing, but they can still make noises to impress their future sweethearts. Birds like woodpeckers haven't got a song. So what they do is they drum, they, they bang their heads basically against trees and make that drumming noise. Um, and again, a female can judge um, a male by the type of drumming he does, the, the length of it and that sort of stuff. So when in urban areas, woodpeckers tend, like woodpeckers, like grass woodpeckers, find an iron girder, then they become the super male because that sound is unbelievable. Oh, that's a sound we need to collect for our song later. Humans generally can't speak the language of bird, but some have learned to make sounds to get birds' attention. Some of my birding pals have um, really good ways of, um, of making these noises like kissing between their index finger and the next, the next finger to that uh, to make a sharp sort of noise or sucking the back of their hands or, or even just using their lips to make these, these shrills that um, encourage birds to, to, to appear. I remember being on a beach in, um, near Belfast um, and uh, my mate made this noise using the back of his hands like a shrill squeak and within seconds, a peregrine just swooped down literally about two feet from my head because the peregrine heard this noise thinking it was a, a young bird in distress. I've got another friend in, in uh, Serbia who makes this really high-pitched squeak, making this noise like a, a gigantic mouse. And when it does it in the evenings in the winter, it can be surrounded by 15 long-eared owls all swooping around looking for this imaginary giant mouse. 
cities like this are a great place to see birds of prey. UK cities are homes to small birds of prey like kestrels and sparrowhawks and even larger birds like buzzards and red kites. But in urban areas, um, the sparrowhawk actually is quite a, you know, a low-key denizen of the woodlands normally. So people don't normally see them until they swoop into, into your garden and take a bird. They're very kind of discreet. Um, kestrels, on the other hand, um, are quite obvious when they are hunting because they tend to hover. And indeed, they are the only small bird of prey um, that's likely to hover. Um, sparrowhawks don't. Um, I've seen buzzards in, in urban areas, not swooping around on streets like, you know, sparrowhawks and kestrels, but certainly drifting overhead. And they tend to be more tied to more, wood, more woody areas. Um, another bird that's increasingly being found in urban areas these days is the red kite. Uh, the red kite is a, an interesting case because it's been reintroduced to many parts of the UK after being practically wiped out to the point of extinction. There was only maybe six or seven pairs left in mid-Wales at one point. And it's really, really kind of interesting to think that, you know, back in the Middle Ages, it was the default bird of urban London. Red kites ate rubbish from the streets. Not a very nice dinner. But they were so common in the Middle Ages that the playwright William Shakespeare mentioned them stealing underwear to build their nest. So people really thought they were a pest. And because people thought red kites were pests, they didn't treat them very well at all. Nowadays, a lucky birder might see these birds in their own cities, alongside kestrels, sparrowhawks, buzzards, and one other big, beautiful bird. The other bird that um, lives in our uh, urban areas are owls, of course. Um, the tawny owl being the most prominent, you often, well, you don't, most people have never seen an owl, but tawny owls are actually quite prevalent. Um, and if you did care to listen, especially during the winter months, you might hear them calling at night. So tawny owl's one. And the other bird that, especially in London, is the uh, little owl. The little owl, which is not very big, is basically that's smaller than the blackbird, but obviously plump and owl-like. Is it possible to spot owls when you're out and about in the city? Owls are much more difficult. Um, sometimes you come across them accidentally, but I think in most instances it's more heard than seen. So if you listen out for the for the tawny owls, I mean the classic description of, of their call is to wit to woo. In reality, it's a uh, it's a duet, so it sounds like to wit to woo. What a duet! We'll use that sound later. Owls can be very protective of their nests and get angry if they think they're being interfered with. So it's best not to go too close to one. But staying a safe distance away can be a great way to enjoy these beautiful birds. Their eyesight, funny enough, is only as good as ours. Owls hunt using their amazing hearing. Their ears are arranged so they can pinpoint the exact position of their prey, the small animals or insects that they eat. Um, their feathers are arranged as such that they are silent. Um, they've got very powdery feathers that make no noise when they're flying, so they can really creep up and prey without them knowing. So that's basically how they hunt. There is so much going on over our heads, even if we live in the middle of a city. 
I'm going to go back to my living room and start looking at birds from the window. And I'm going to enjoy some music while I do it. Let's take some birdsong from the city. Add in some expert birding advice and the sound of a girder pecker. And we have our song for the episode. blue tits, grey tits, thunnocks, which inhabit the ground. Salt thrush is a possibility, wood pigeon, collared doves, feral pigeons, crows, jackdaws, swifts, swallows, and house martins. If you listen very carefully, you might hear, particularly early on in the spring, black caps. Chip chaps singing. So there's a whole array of species that can be observed you know, once you actually sit and look. There's a wealth of things to see. So you have to try and see your environment as if you were a bird, as if you were a bird. But what are they saying to each other? When a bird sings, basically saying, this is my territory. And it's also saying to females, I am amazing. UK cities are homes to small birds of prey. Kestrels. Sparrowhawks. And even larger birds like peregrines. Buzzards and red kites. Owls, of course. Most people have never seen an owl. You might hear them calling at night. So you have to try and see your environment as if you were a bird. As if you were a bird. about being an urban birder? Uh, so I was born in northwest London with this innate interest in natural history, which actually started with insects um, and developed there, from there to birds. I kind of taught myself, and by the age of eight, I was a, a veritable walking encyclopedia on the birds of Britain, Europe, Middle East, and North Africa, plus a fair spattering of the world as well. What I love about urban birding is the element of surprise. You never know what you may find, and also... 
you feel as if you are an urban explorer. You found it, no one else did. And also, urban birding's great because it's local. You don't need to go very far, you can even just look out your window. About 350 odd species have been found in London alone, for example. I've watched puffins from the from Hammersmith Bridge on Thames. You know, I think with urban birding, anything can turn up anywhere at any time. Well, I'm certainly going to keep my eyes and ears peeled for the birds around me from now on. That's it for another episode of Maddie's Sound Explorers. Discover other episodes when you subscribe. A big thank you to our expert, David Lindo, to Martin Zoltz-Oswick, who made the aerobatic music and put the episode together, and to Matt Hill for remembering to bring binoculars. Thanks too to Owen for their great question, and to Susie Buttress from The Casual Birder for letting us use some of her bird sounds. As this is the last episode in our first series, I'd just like to say another thank you to all our sound explorers who asked great questions, our experts who've guided us along the way, and of course, a huge thank you to you for coming along on our adventures. I'm Maddie Moat, and thank you for listening to Maddie's Sound Explorers. Sound Explorers, brought to you by Magic Star.